What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week, I've got another inspiring interview for you, but this time with a Wellpreneur who works in an industry that you might not think naturally lends itself to be online. This week, I'm talking with Dr. Travis Sigler. Travis is an optometrist, and he and his wife, actually, they're both optometrists, were working with clients in person, like you might think about an optometrist, right? Just having an office and working with clients. But they wanted more freedom and flexibility in their lives. And they also had a real strong drive to give back to the community, and especially through eye health, to help people who didn't have enough money to see optometrists themselves to get the eye care that they needed. So Travis and his wife started the business I Love Online, which is ilovethesun.com. And they also started their I Love Cares Foundation. And since then, their business has grown exponentially. They've learned so much and they've been able to help so many people around the world to improve their eyesight. I think you're really going to find this interview inspiring. And what I love about it is that it really shows you the possibility for every type of wellness business, every type of wellpreneur to move online and offer a portion or all of what you do online to give you some extra flexibility and freedom and impact around the world with your business. Now, as always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes, which are available on the website at wellpreneuronline.com. And if you're not already on my email list, why don't you pop over to the website wellpreneuronline.com and sign up? Because every Wednesday, I send out a curated email that tells you exactly what you need to know this week as a Wellpreneur. I include the best threads from our Wellpreneur community group where there's almost 3,000 Wellpreneurs in there every week sharing and supporting each other. I include the latest podcasts and blogs, as well as my favorite links about wellness and business from around the internet, all rounded up in one easy to read email. So just hop over to the website, wellpreneuronline.com, and you can sign up for that just sign up anywhere. Any of the email opt-ins will get you onto that Wellpreneur Wednesday list. But for now, let's jump over into this interview with Dr. Travis Sigler. So Travis, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, thanks, Amanda. Thanks for having me. So I thought you were a really interesting guest, actually, because it's the first time we've had an optometrist here on our show. But most people will be familiar with visiting an optometrist. And it's kind of a, you know, unglamorous thing, just somebody you'd visit in your local community. And what I love about you and your business is that you've taken this traditional field and moved it online and really created a community around your work um, with also a charitable aspect as well. So there's tons I want to talk about. But yeah, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's great. It's an honor to be on and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Cool. So why don't you start off by just explaining how do you introduce yourself? How do you say what you do? When somebody asks me what I do, I say I end preventable blindness. And what that does is it sparks the conversation because everybody always asks, well, what's that? And then I get to explain to them our whole mission, 
And some people love it. Some people are just like, okay, you're an optometrist then. And I'm just like, well, that's just a part of it. But so when I always say we end preventable blindness, they always ask me, well, what is that? And I get to go into my spiel of there's 700 million people in this world that are blind due to lack of glasses. And so that's a preventable type of blindness. And so in third world countries, these patients don't have access to just a simple pair of reading glasses or just a pair of glasses to help them see distance. And they're blind because of that reason. And we're trying to put a dent in that 700 million, if not solve the problem. And so everything we do, we ask ourselves, how is this going to help the mission? And if it doesn't, then we don't do it. And so that's essentially the whole mission in a nutshell and my kind of 30 second elevator pitch in one minute. Yeah, (laughs) awesome. So it's so funny because we talk about this quite a bit in our community, like, you know, how to introduce yourself. And I, you could so easily just say, well, I'm an optometrist. And then the conversation, people are like, oh, and then it kind of moves on, right? But by saying, what did you say? I end preventable blindness. You got it. Yeah. yeah. And preventable and blindness. I guess you were probably practicing as a optometrist. And then suddenly you had this idea to start to move online. Can you take it back to the origins of this online business? Yeah, so I've been practicing optometry since the year 2010, and I practiced in Columbus, Ohio for about five years. And my wife and I left Columbus, Ohio. We actually worked for my uncle, and we had a great practice there, but we just wanted to do something on our own. And so we ended up moving to South Carolina about three years ago and opened up two practices. One was a private practice. One was a commercial practice, which is inside a Walmart Vision Center. And when we started that, whenever you start out a new practice, patients are scarce and it's, it's, you have a lot of time in between patients as you're figuring out systems and just trying to get patients. And so my wife and I started this company called iLove. And we started it about the same time as we did our two practices, just to kind of fill in that gap time that we had. And we started out as a sunglass company and about a year into iLove, and we had about probably 10 pairs of sunglasses. I was at a conference and someone, a doctor was up on stage. He's a holistic medicine doctor and he practices in Boston and he was getting kind of drilled with where he should go next. And he sells a lot of supplements in his practice because he's a holistic practitioner. And I remember one of the panel members said to him, well, why are you selling other people's supplements when you're the expert? And then it, it was just like a light bulb just went off. And I was just like, wow, so this is what we need to do. So going back to my practice that that next week, I noticed that we have a shelf of supplements that we sell and eye drops and all these other things. And I said, we need to make every single thing on that shelf our own product. And so we morphed from the sunglass company into this eye wellness company. And this eye wellness company, what we started to realize that if we started coming out with products for dry eye and products for macular degeneration, that we could help more people than we could on a one-on-one interaction. And so going back to this summer, which is a year after that whole epiphany moment, we now have two supplements, one for macular degeneration, one for dry eye. We have a dry eye spray. We have a a very natural dry eye soap. That's for your, not for your eyes, but for your face. And you can actually use it on your whole body. And it's a five ingredient soap. And all these came from the audience that we started building about a year ago. And this audience kind of brings us their trouble spots and they, they tell us what to come out with next. And so I guess going, I don't know if I answered your question, but I kind of explained the morphology of our, our company. And now we're, we're this dry eye company and we actually sold our private practice and we only practice part-time now to help more people online. Now to go back to the mission part of it, the end preventable blindness occurred when we were in optometry school and we were on a mission trip down in Ecuador. 
And I remember treating this, this gentleman, he was about 70 years old and he had gone blind in one eye and he was going blind in the other eye because he had pressures of 80 and we like pressures to be under 22. And so what we, we did is we treated him in that, in the clinic for about five hours to bring that pressure from 80 to about 30. And then we sent him home with drops and this guy didn't say a word the whole time. And at the end, he just started crying and he just hugged me and he said, God bless you. God bless you. And that's when I got hooked to this whole ending preventable blindness. Now, his blindness, unfortunately, we couldn't do anything for it. But at the same clinic, when you put your first pair of glasses on somebody that's never worn glasses before in their life, that's an amazing feeling. And the fact that you're giving somebody vision, I mean, there's nothing better than that, I think. Mm -hmm. So what's the charitable part of your business? I saw that you work with a couple charities to provide glasses. So actually, that's our charity. And the whole goal of I Love is we use the profits at the end of the year that are left over and we actually donate them to our foundation that we started. And this foundation that we started, it is made for mission work. It's made for education, educating the public on what's going on. And then we also do scholarships for students and students that align with our mission as far as they go on their own mission trips right now as optometry students. And the charitable aspect of it, it's something that we believe that we kind of know the numbers that we need to hit in order to open up a free clinic. And the goal of this eventually is to be able to open up free clinics in Jamaica and also in the United States. And we know how much money we need per year to kind of fund that and how much passive income we need coming into the charity to fund that as well. And so our clinics that we're doing now are more MASH style clinics where we go in there, we fix a problem temporarily, and then we pop out and then they're kind of stuck again. And so The goal of the foundation is to figure out a sustainability model where we can create a main clinic in Jamaica. Let's just use Jamaica as an example, because that's where we go most. And we create this main clinic in Jamaica, and then we have little runners that go out into the the community and perform vision screenings and can do glasses in the community very easily and just do it right there in the spot in their homes. And then if they need a further referral, they come back into the main clinic. Oh, I love that. That's It's really cool that you guys started your own charity, actually. And I think that gives so much more meaning to the work you're doing. Because I think sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced, in the online world, you can just people can be so focused on just how much money they're making with no other purpose than just to make a lot of money. And so I think this is, it's really nice because it gives, it gives your, whole, your whole business a, a higher purpose, really. Yeah, and I always let people know that like if money is your mission, then the, as soon as that first hard obstacle comes into play, you're done. You're going you're gonna to fold just like you did before. And we've had a lot of obstacles this year. And what keeps us going, because we've wanted to give up many times, is that mission. And it's not about us. It's about the people that we're going to be helping, you know, 10, 5 to 10 to 20 years down the road. This goal of ours for these clinics was something we thought we'd hit when we were around 55 and to 60 maybe when we're retired. And now we're looking at maybe within the next couple of years hitting it. And so we're pretty excited about it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm curious what your team looks like. Is it just you and your wife working on this or do you have employees or contractors that you work with? Yeah. So we have about, my wife and I are full-time employees in the business and we both have our own roles. I'm the CEO and marketing director, and then she's the COO and kind of runs the logistics side. Then we have an operations manager, Ashley, who's right here in South Carolina, about six miles from our home. And she kind of runs the day-to-day with managing two other staff members, actually three other staff members now. Two of the staff members are in the Philippines and then the others in South Carolina as well. And so we have our main customer service team is Ashley and Heather, and they're both here in South Carolina. 
And then they have people under them who are more like pretty much um, task managed or task people. So if we have a task, we um, outsource that out to our Filipinos and they take care of little small tasks like resizing photos or editing videos. And so we're a team of six. And then I do a lot of freelance work on Fiverr and we'll, we'll use a lot of Fiverr people to kind of just do jobs, odds and odds jobs as needed. Mm-hmm. So when you just started taking the business online, I'm wondering what surprised you? Like, was there something that you just weren't prepared for or you thought you knew what you were doing and you really didn't like a big lesson learned that since you've brought it online? Uh, yeah. So the, I guess the biggest blessing the first year was how well it worked. And we started and we're just like, wow, this actually works. If you put in the work, it starts to, to work. And that was kind of the biggest surprise of year one. Year two, we just kind of did what we knew and we just kept launching and launching new products and everything was working well. And then we hit a point with year three where scaling and that was the hardest lesson learned. And with scaling, we just did not do it properly. We took the approach of hiring in hopes that they'll figure it out instead of making a system and then hiring for that system. And that was kind of our biggest lesson learned. And what we also did is we hired a lot of agencies who we thought they knew what they were doing, such as agencies for Facebook ads and ads on Amazon. And unfortunately, that made us lose a lot of money as well. Yeah, it can be so tempting to just kind of fall into the trap of like, oh, that's an agency or, oh, they've got fantastic marketing about how great they are at this. (laughs) And then the reality doesn't always match up to that. So that's a hard lesson to learn. So one thing that's really interesting to our audience is in the beginning, so you're just, like you said, you had an in-person practice and you were just starting out with this online business and everyone starts with zero audience, right? We all start from nothing and create this online audience and a community. So what really worked for you to get that beginning momentum and to have those signs within the first year that this was really working? As far as audience building, man, I I struggled with that for probably a year and a half to two years. We just could not get momentum and everything I was trying. I wasn't trying hard enough, I don't think. So the first two years, we mainly just sold on Amazon. And we were a quote unquote Amazon business where if Amazon decided to kick us out, we were done. And we knew we had to build an audience, but we just couldn't do it. And we had built our email list to about 17,000 people. And it just wasn't responsive. We had like a 7% open rate and maybe a 0.2% click-through rate. And so... We knew something was off. So we actually cleaned up that email list and reduced it from 17,000 to about 1,500 and started all over. And 1,500 is still a great list, though. I mean, that, but it, it took us two years to get to that point. And the one thing I noticed, and you probably saw this with your podcast as well, that we decided this was another conference that we went to. And I, it's one guy, he told me one thing. And this, it was Mark Jenny from RV Share. He told me that every piece of content that I put out there, I expect it to pay off in two years. And so when I heard that, it was another light bulb moment. And I was just like, okay, that's how we have to do it. And so we reshifted our marketing strategy and list building strategy to content creation. Instead of chasing these people for discounts and here's a 90% off code for our, our product and here's a 50% off code for our product, you're not getting your ideal client. And so what we started doing is we focused on 100% content creation. We actually hired ghostwriters and those ghostwriters wrote doctor pretty much doctors doctors articles because we were we were writing as doctors and they did a good job we edited them a little bit but we had them write about 60 to 100 articles for us and then we decided that 
with video being so powerful and as powerful as it is, we just started putting out content kind of like you do with your podcast in video form. And so we do Facebook Live and YouTube Lives, and we just started doing it on a consistent basis. And I think I always tell people the first six months to a year of creating content like your podcast or like our videos, you're doing it for yourself. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it to prove to yourself that you have the discipline to perform a video or to record a video at the same time, the same day, every single week. And if you do that, Facebook is going to reward you. YouTube's going to reward you. Your podcast listeners are going to reward you because they're going to expect something from you every single week at that time. And therefore, you're going to start out with maybe 10 downloads with most of them being your family members for a podcast or like 10 views like we had. And then you're just going to build momentum from there. And we started doing that back in October or September of last year. And the community we built on Facebook is about 2,500 members now. And it grows by 10 people every single day without any paid advertisement. And we actually kick, we actually block or don't let about five people in per day just because they're not aligned with what we're trying to do. I can tell they're salesmen and they're going to try to sell in our community. And we try to guard that community with our life. And we just provide content for them that points them back to our, our website so they can purchase on Amazon or our website. Oh, that's fantastic. So I know you have a really interesting and kind of intense, you were saying, content creation strategy. So can you talk to <laughs> us about that and share that with like, what are you finding is working for content creation? So this came from a, a mentor and a coach that I had for a little bit. Um, Ken Courtright and a great guy. He has a great company and he kind of told me this strategy. And before your listeners hear it, I want you to know that do not become overwhelmed with it because you can get overwhelmed with it and it is a lot, but that's why you have a team in place. And if you train your team, it's very easy to do because it's a lot of tasks that need done and you can focus on just the content part. So what we do is this is how we're doing it now. We actually do a Facebook Live on Sundays at 5 p.m. on our Facebook page. And in that Facebook Live, we get questions about dry eye, about the eyes in general. And so we usually get about 15 to 25 questions per Facebook Live session. And then what we do is we take that whole video, and we also do it on YouTube Live at the same time. But the Facebook Live portion of it, we actually, I give that to one of my VAs. She cuts it down on a per question basis. So the whole video is uploaded to Facebook. The whole video is uploaded to YouTube. Now we're going to cut it into, let's say, for simplicity's sake, there's 20 questions in this Facebook Live session. We then cut that 20 questions into 20 separate videos. And we create, we have an intro, a pre-roll, and an outro with a post-roll that kind of just talks about our brand a little bit. It's about five to six seconds long. And then it goes into the video. And then that same VA takes that video and uploads it to YouTube. And then what they do is they transcribe that video. And so after they transcribe it, they then put the embedded video into a blog post and with the transcription below it. And then they do SEO research and hit keywords that are not searched for that much. So you want to look for long tail keywords. And those long tail keywords are going to more likely get you ranked higher on page one faster for Google. And so we have this content creation strategy where we're taking something that took us 40 minutes and giving it to our team to then break it apart and create 20 blog posts out of one 30-minute video. And what that does is it shows Google that you're constantly coming out with new content about dry eye, about macular degeneration, or about whatever subject you want. And Google loves continuity. 
And so if you can show them that you keep posting about the same subject over and over and over again, and you're consistent, then you're going to get ranked higher and you're going to get up to page one faster in Google organically. Okay, that's a really cool strategy. So basically you're taking your 40-minute video and breaking it into those 20 little videos, each one answering a certain question. So you're posting like 20 new blog posts about every week. Yeah, and we wow. answer the same questions sometimes over and over again, yeah, but we always say it differently. Yeah, yeah, we say it a different way each time. So that's why we can do that. Because I was thinking that if you do like a 40-minute Facebook Live every week, you must get the same questions every week. All the time. <laughs> and <laughs> How do you not so, go crazy, honestly? Because sometimes when I get the same questions, I can say, oh, just listen to this podcast episode where I covered it or listen to, you know, if I've already described it in depth. But you're just, so that, yeah. How do yeah, you do it? That's the beauty of it because it was driving us crazy <laughs> because we, we're adding 10 new people to this community every single day. And we were just individually going in there and typing up answers to these questions. And, oh, it's the same one again and blah, blah, blah. Let's just answer it the same way we always do. And then I was just like, and then our, our another coach we have, Ryan Daniel Moran, he told us just do one Facebook Live every week. And so we're like, yeah, let's do it. And so we're, we're starting to train our two American worker or team members that if they see something that looks relevant to a blog we've already posted about, which 100% of the time it does, because we have so many blog posts, that you go into our website, you search for that blog, and you post it to that person's response. That does two things. It gets them back to our blog, where we, we have a lead magnet, where we have products to sell them. And then it also answers their question without us having to be there personally present all the time. What are you guys doing? So you've got all this content that's being created. I see you're centralizing your community on Facebook in your Facebook group and also with these Facebook lives. What are you doing in terms of email marketing? So email marketing is something we kind of, we don't lack it, but it's not our strength right now. But most of the time we just email our list for product launches. And when we're having sales, which is the exact opposite thing you want to do, my wife is going to start getting into more kind of content creation with an email, trying to build that relationship with them. And she already does a good job with that already. And I, I help with that, but we need to get consistent and something we're actually pushing harder for is Facebook Messenger, because that I think is the next round. An example of that would be an email, you know, a good email open rate is about 30% with a click-through rate of about 3 to 10% is good. Whereas in with Messenger, you're getting at about a 95% open rate with about a 70% click-through rate. And so we're actually exploring Messenger quite a bit more with a tool called ManyChat. And then we're also using something called Push Crew. Push Crew is a thing on your website where they opt in to allow browser notifications. And you've probably seen these before. You just haven't realized it. And so my goal with this is every time we go to send out or every time we make a new blog post, I want to send our email list the blog post. I want to send Facebook Messenger with ManyChat a blog, the blog post. And then I want to do Push Crew the blog post. So that floods every blog post with more traffic. And we haven't implemented that strategy yet, but that's our overall strategy that we want to hit get to eventually. Are you doing much with paid advertising at this point? Very little. We do some Facebook advertising with retargeting mostly. And then we do some lookalike audiences with people that have purchased our dry eye products in the past. And then some AdWords as well. Those long tail keywords that I talked about. We'll do a like a $2 campaign to hit those long tail keywords because they cost about five cents a click. And you can get about 20 clicks to your website for those long tail keywords. and it really costs us like a dollar or two a day to get people onto our blog. And then once they hit our blog, Facebook pixels them to then retarget them. So I guess we do a little bit of paid advertising. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So I'm always curious when I talk to wellness entrepreneurs, I think we all kind of walk this line because you need to, you know, as you're teaching people to get healthy and live a healthy life and improve their eyesight, all of this stuff, you also have to find some balance and continue to live <laughs> your own healthy life. So I'm curious, like, how do you and your wife, how do you manage your work day? What's your typical day like for you guys? Are you working all the time? My wife would probably say that I do work all the time, but that's just because I love what I do. It's all about routines. My morning routine and our morning routine is sacred in this house. And it's getting better and better every day. And so an example of our day would be we wake up at 545. We meditate until about 6. 6 to 630, we read just whatever book we're reading at that time. Right now, it's a lot of baby books because we have one on the way. And then from 630 to 730, we work out. And then from 730 to 9 is creative time. It's pretty much she knows to leave me alone. And I crank out an hour and a half of something, a video, a Facebook Live. Um, I'll do a blog post or just whatever my one thing is for that day. I have that hour and a half to really get at it right there. And that's when we eat breakfast and drink coffee and everything. And then after that, one of us usually goes into the office to see patients and the other one stays home to just work on the business. So we really are getting better at planning what we need to do that day. And I was actually surprised by when I started planning to do one thing per day that needs to get done and nothing else matters until I get that one thing done. I was surprised at how good I felt because when I got that one thing done, I knew I could do anything else with my day because that one thing got accomplished. But what I used to do is I never used to plan and just kind of reacted to everything and did everything. And when I did that, I didn't feel as fulfilled. Like I felt like I had to keep working. I had to keep working to push the business forward. And now I'm doing better at, okay, this stuff needs done. This is my number one priority. Let me see if one of my other team members can do this part. And then once I get my one thing done, I'll help other team members as well. And I may move on to like the next day. But for the most part, I can quit whenever my wife gets home from work or whenever I get home from seeing patients. And we can just we always have dinner together by ourselves. It's just us two, no technology with music playing. And then after that, we may go back to work for a little bit if we have something to do or we may just kind of hang out, go for a walk, sit on our front porch rocking chairs, do whatever. <laughs> So I love the idea of like really having a priority for the day. I switched my schedule. So I do, I make a top three list for the day and I just have to do those three things that day. And anything after that is like bonus. And so I think the top one that distills it down even more. I'm curious, when do you do that planning? Do you do that the night before and identify your item for the next day? Or did you do it in the morning? Yes to both. It just depends on how busy my night before is. And don't let me fool you. If I could narrow it down to one, Every single day, that'd be perfect, but I usually have a top three. Right now, I am only down to one, but like last week, I had three every single day. It's always interesting to hear, oh, yeah. like, you know, how do you actually put that practice into place? So do you plan it? Like for me, I always do it at the end of my previous work day. Like I yeah, kind of sit that's down. That's how I'd love yeah. to do it. Yeah, I'd love to do it at the end of my previous work day. But Ken, going back to my old mentor or one of my mentors, Ken, he always says that you should take 20% of your time every week to plan. And so I try to use as much time as I can to plan. So Sunday is a big planning day for me. And then like you do it, just pretty much the end of your work day, the day before, plan on what you're going to do the next day. Because for some reason, it, you know, when I sometimes when I tell people that, like my to-do list has three items. Although in, you know, to be honest, I have another to-do list that has like 55 items. <laughs> but the, the daily to-do list has three things. And some people are really shocked by that. But you're right. It's that feeling of once you do those three things, you know, those are the three highest impact 
tasks that you could do. Where do you keep your to-do list? My massive, huge to-do list is in Evernote. But every day, like the night before, I just write it on like a post-it note, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 no, that's exactly it. Mine's in Google Drive in worksheets or sheets. Mm. And then I have a journal that I keep my top one to two to three things in. So exactly the same thing. Because it's really satisfying to be able to cross them off. <laughs> and then I tear up the post-it at the end of the day and it really is good. <laughs> I don't tear mine up. I just cross it out. <laughs> we have a whiteboard. I erase it. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good. So I'm curious if you could go back, I guess, three years ago when you were just starting the online part of your business and give yourself some advice, what would you say? I've got two things actually, but 100% audience build from day one to form good audiences and just start content creating right away. And so learn to provide value for other people and do that primarily and the money will come later. And we're so focused on money as entrepreneurs and trying to keep the business alive that you need to focus on value over money. And as soon as you start focusing on the value, you're not going to know what to do with all the money. And I'm not at that point yet, but I see it. I see it one to two to three years down the road where we're going to have so many great customers that that love what we're doing because we love what we're doing. And the main reason we're doing that is because we're focusing on one thing, and that's content creation and value creation for our audience. And that's how I think you'll you'll do your best moving forward. And then secondly, make systems. And systems are so unsexy, and we hate them as entrepreneurs, but it will be it will pay dividends further down the road. I'd say with because of the systems we did not have in place, we've probably lost a couple hundred thousand dollars because of it. And specifically, you're talking about like like an order fulfillment. Like how do you deal with, how do you do customer service? How do you fulfill orders? How do you create content, for example? Those kind of systems? You got it, yep. And so I'll just give you a quick example of, we had a coupon code that went wrong and you could stack it on top of multiple other coupon codes. And you could get three pairs of our sunglasses, which usually go for about $150 for all three pair. You could get them for $3. And we flew through 3,000 sunglasses in pretty much two hours. And we were actually running a half marathon. Wow. So we left for the half marathon. We got back. We noticed that we had $120,000 in sales that day. And we knew something was wrong. And they, we ended up losing about $30,000 that day. Mm. And if you put in opportunity costs and everything, it ended up being about 100000 total. Yikes. Yeah. Lack I, of system. <laughs> I think it's so it's so appealing to just say, oh, I'm going to hire someone and they'll figure it out or they'll know how to do it. But yeah, you can't, even though you could figure it out, you can't always rely on, on exactly. people exactly. to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, one thing I had forgot to ask before, because you, so you said that the first thing you tell yourself is to start building a community. But you said the first couple of years or the first year, you were building an email list, at least, which could be considered an audience, although it was totally wrong. You said you got up to like 17,000 on your email list. So I'm just curious, what were you doing that built that list with completely the wrong people? Giveaways. And so we give away our products with big discounts. And unfortunately, when you get people that want big discounts, they always want big discounts and they're not going to be buying from you in the long term. So those aren't the, the people that you want. If you want to build the audience that's going to love you and that you're going to love, you need to figure out your avatar of exactly who you're going to market to and how you're going to market to them. So that's huge. And my audience is 45 to 60-year-old females. 
<laughs> because that is dry eye syndrome. And so everything we do to market is towards them. And I've gotten to know 45 to 60 year old females pretty well in my day. <laughs> now, here's a question that comes up. So even though that's your target market and that's who all your marketing is directed to, you still get other people that buy from you, right? Of course. Yeah. 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 So I think that's because of, yeah. those are your most vocal as well. I mean, a 45 to 60 year old female is a pretty vocal audience. Mm -hmm. And if something works for them and one of their friends has the same exact complaint that they had, guess who they're going to refer to? That's awesome. Oh, well, this has been really good. And I'm, I'm excited to follow your journey over the next couple of years. And hopefully you'll be able to build that clinic and, and watch all of that develop. That's it's really exciting what you guys are doing. Yeah, we're pretty excited about it. Can I ask you a question? Oh, go for it. I always love asking entrepreneurs a question. So what is your current business challenge? Well, actually, okay, to be totally honest, so we're planning a really big trip for next year. And I'm going to be pretty much offline for several months. And so my challenge right now is to figure out, you know, how do I travel proof the business during that point. Obviously, I'll be able to, whenever I can get a, a signal, be able to broadcast and keep content. We'll be able to keep content going and stuff in the background that we can do. But that's that's what I'm working on is like, how do I keep things ticking over when I'm not going to be there? That's pretty awesome that you're going on a big trip though. Yeah, I haven't and, talked about it. So nobody knows about it yet, but they do now a little oh. bit. But I'm not going <laughs> to say too much about it, except for we're going to be really offline for a few months and hopefully some really awesome awesome photos and stuff coming out from it. I think what you should do is, of course, you can record a, a couple podcasts beforehand. That's probably what you already have planned and kind of release them as you, you're traveling, have somebody else release them for you. Mm -hmm. And then I think what would be really cool with that is just doing live videos or what, what's your, I know podcasting is your primary channel, but where's your primary audience at? Is it email? So I do have on my people on my email list, but we've also got a really active community on Facebook. So we've got cool. a Facebook group with like almost 3,000 wellness entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, you just need to Facebook live to them. Let them know what you're up to and what you learned from each country you visit or wherever you go. And mm -hmm. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Yeah, I definitely want to share. You probably got it figured out, though. I've got, <laughs> so we've got a plan to keep the podcast going and to kind of share along the way when I can get on stable Wi-Fi. But yeah, I'm also thinking I need to just, you know, let go control a little bit and turn more over to my team to let them make sure everything keeps running smoothly while I'm not there, which I'm sure they will. I think it's going to be awesome because it's going to help you realize, because I have this trouble too, is realizing how good your team really is. And you're going to see that maybe your business is running even better that you're not there. I know. Wouldn't that be you know, awesome? Helping. <laughs> it would be awesome. <laughs> like I can go away more often because <laughs> everything gets better. That would be good. Cool. Oh, thanks for that. That's fun. It's fun to turn the tables on the interviewer, isn't it? Because <laughs> you do a little bit. <laughs> I like to do it. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I like that to pick the brain, so to say, my least favorite question or whatever you want to say, mm -hmm. statement of the, the person that usually does the interviewing, just to see what they'll say mm -hmm. and see if I can help at all. That's awesome. Well, I didn't mind at all. That was really good. So stay tuned, everybody, for the mystery adventure coming early next year, which I'll talk more about as we get closer. But yeah, Travis, thank you so much for being here with us. This is really, really great to talk to you. And, and I'm excited to see what unfolds for your business. Can you tell everybody where they can find you if they want to get in touch or learn more? Yeah, so we've actually created a group on Facebook that's called Business Igniters. And it's actually the journey of four of us. And we all do pretty well on Amazon and e-commerce. And we're in a stage of our e-commerce business that we will start helping other entrepreneurs. And so if you're in the e-commerce space, 
and you want to kind of learn as we're learning and kind of see what's working for us, join us at Business Igniters on Facebook and then just kind of like our page and just see what's coming out because we have a couple things on there. I have a 10,000 leads project that I'm working on right now. So try to get 10,000 email addresses that are actually good. Then we're coming out with some other ones for like advertising training and some fun stuff like that. But it's mostly e-commerce based for physical products owners or physical products brands. And that's at Business Igniters on Facebook. You can also look me up at Dr. Travis Ziegler on Facebook as well. And those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Okay, cool. And we'll link all of that up in the show notes so people can get to it really easily as well. So thank you so much, Travis, for being here. It's been great. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can find the links to everything we talked about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. I hope to see you over in our Wellpreneur Community Facebook group sometime this week. And as always, I'll see you back here next week with the next episode. Mm-hmm.